you know, the, the intro to this show, Lachelle, is all about us sidling up to a bar, which no one can do anymore. <laughs> we might get, like, civil fines at this point. We may get kicked out. We, we might have to change the intro, but I love it so much because it's, it's just kind of like the – this is – this is what beer drinking is all about. It's just people hanging out. And I bring it up because here in the in the world of this podcast, we're meeting out front before we go in. And it's been a while since we've actually met out front. And I'm saying this is what I am saying. And I'm promising. And, Lachelle, please hold me and us to this. We're not going to go this long without meeting in front of this bar that we're about to go into and do this episode of Head Retention. We're not going to go this long again, okay? And we're going to give Kevin money in case we get arrested for going to the bar <laughs> kevin's our producer by the way so he has to have the bail money all right let's head in this is head retention a podcast where beer makes great conversation even greater Welcome to Head Retention. My name is Roach. Lachelle is here, and uh, it's been a while, and as we promised you at the beginning of the show, we won't go this long again without another episode of Head Retention, but we, we were kind of waiting out the pandemic, and then we realized we can't, we can't wait it out. So we've, we've got to get into business as usual, which is a, a perfect way to get into this episode, Lachelle. Well, business as usual. I am so excited for you to meet our guest today. I My mind is blown by everything that he's done in a pandemic, because as you were saying, business as normal, what is that? This guy in his brewery, they have been operating business as normal in Asheville, North Carolina. They have decided to expand their distribution to Virginia. They are now in the Commonwealth. They decided to expand in a pandemic. I wait to hear the reasons why. Chris, thank you for uh, taking our non-DMV brewery interview, Cherry, from us. We appreciate that. So welcome to the show. Thank you for joining us. Yeah. Thank you for having me. It's uh, it's an interesting time, and we've got a lot to get into with you, and there's a reason why you are the first uh, non-DMV brewery that we've had on Head Retention. Uh, I guess we should start right there before we get into a little bit about the history of, of Highwire, because uh, the, the pressing matter is you guys, in the middle of a pandemic, have decided that this is a time to... Uh, expand your operations into uh, Virginia, especially right now. So I guess let's just jump right into that, and then we'll get the backstory later. What made you guys decide, or did you have a timeline together, and what made you decide to keep the timeline of expansion uh, during this COVID-19 pandemic? Yeah. Um, so we had started kind of kicking the tires on um, distribution in Virginia late 2019, um, anytime we think about a new market, it, it's a good six to eight month process for us. You know, you gotta vet your wholesaler partners and, and make sure that the market is right for us. Um, just cause a, as a small kind of regional brewery, like, like high wire, you know, it's not, doesn't make sense for us to sell everywhere. You know, we have no intentions of being a nationwide brewery. Um, so we kind of did our due, due diligence in Virginia. Um, it was a state that we always, um, wanted to sell in cause it's clearly where we share a border. Uh, share a large border together. Um, but it always kind of intimidated us a little bit, to be honest. Um, it, there's not a lot of uh, great examples of North Carolina breweries really flourishing in Virginia and vice versa. Not a lot of great examples of Virginia breweries flourishing here in North Carolina. So we knew there was something about it that was just a little bit of a challenge, uh, but we're, we're always up for a challenge. And um, we decided on working with our, our, whole, our whole state wholesaler. Uh, they're called Specialty Beverage. Uh, they're, they're headquartered in, in Richmond, a little outside of Richmond and, uh, decided to work with them in January. And we were, we were gearing up for this huge launch in, in April and we were going to bring like six, eight, 10 high wire employees up and just blitz the whole state and go crazy. And, uh, da, 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 uh, <laughs> pandemic, pandemic happened. Um, so we decided to kind of kind of hold hold off because when we launch a market, we we try we we really try to get the word out and and, and spread it, uh, you know get as much liquid to lips as possible, have people try our beer, and that just wasn't going to be possible. Um, and right around when we were about to launch, um, our brand manager at Specialty emailed uh, myself and my business partner Adam, and he was like, you know, what the heck, you want to do it? Where we kind of scratched our heads a little bit and we're like, man, we're, we can't come up there. We can't, you know, come and shake hands and kiss babies and do that whole dance. Um, but he was like, you know, we're selling a lot of canned beer right now. Um, 
that's that's the one thing that's that's moving and uh you know we already have this great relationship we've got our we've got our deal all signed like let's give it a try and uh so we said what the heck let's why not let's let's do it we have the beer we have the capacity we have the relationship um and he was like you know we'll just kind of start small we'll 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 pick pick 100 200 accounts throughout the state and uh when the time is, is right to really launch and come up there, we'll do that. Um, and we did it. It's been great so far. We, we've sold, um, uh, we've kind of beat our initial projections. Obviously, we're not selling any draft beer up there yet. Um, it, it's, it's just all all cans, kind of targeting local independent um, stores as well as uh, the total wines of the world. Um, and we've also been able, fortunate enough to get in, uh, get some distribution in all the Wegmans in the state, uh, which which has been a nice little kick for us. It's a it's a cool grocery store with a great alcohol selection. So um, that's the story in a nutshell. It was kind of just a roll that roll of the dice, and uh, it worked out. I've got a couple well, of follow ups, uh, of course. Uh, the first, though, um, you, you obviously know there's a difference between Northern Virginia and the rest of Virginia. What? Basically, two different states. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah. is it when you say distribution in Virginia, do you mean all of Virginia, or do you mean Virginia, not including Northern Virginia? Uh, all of Virginia. We are we are statewide, um, and uh, beers for sale. You know, wherever we've placed it, uh, I, I should have done a little more homework and run a report. Um, I don't. I don't know. Other than the total wines and Wegmans off yeah. the top of my head, I, I, I could do that pretty quickly. Uh, but yeah, we are available statewide. Great. So the funny thing is, like, as I was prepping for today and I was ordering beer, I of course order it directly from Highwire, and I was so excited yesterday. I got my notification, and I come running home from work, and I started laughing when it was delivered because, dummy, I was. We're doing this podcast because you're now delivering, you're distributing yeah. in Virginia. I could have gone ten miles down the road and picked this up myself. I was like, oh my god, I'm so pretty and so smart. Seriously. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> uh, I, I'd like to get a little in, into the, uh, uh, the the quote unquote border war between uh, North Carolina and Virginia as it pertains to beer. But I, I think I'll save that for the second segment because I sure. think that's a, a fascinating uh, discussion piece. I'd like to focus again on, on the COVID-19. You so basically you're treating what's going on now uh, as far as your business is concerned as a soft launch in Virginia of Highwire with a, a an eye towards when we're able to get out and about and shake hands and, and really show we're worth, we'll do a hard launch then. But right as of now, we're, we're, we're giving you what you want. We're just not going to be able to do what we normally do. And we launch, roll out a new area. That's, that's correct. Yeah. We're, we're a big believer in feet on the street and having, having local representation for us wherever we sell our beer. And uh, we, we just haven't been able to do that. So this is, this is the first time we've done something like this. Um, but Again, it's all about relationships with your wholesaler. Uh, we, we we trust our wholesaler, and, and they're doing right by us. And uh, it's kind of you know letting someone babysit your baby for the first time. Yeah, that's kind of kind of the way it feels. Yeah, and, but uh, uh, if if but the first time, but it's the babysitter is somebody you don't know, and you're flying across the country. <laughs> yep, <laughs> exactly, exactly. But it's been great communication. Um, for us, um, you know, we, we always have very, re, you know, realistic expectations with wherever we go. Um, and we're, we're really happy and proud with uh, what we've done so far kind of via distance. I like I like to talk as the consumer, uh, whereas Lachelle is is the expert. But I, I feel like and Chris uh, of Old Ox echoed this in our last episode. You've got to be nimble and you've got to be able to pivot and be fluid in every other corporate hot word that I could come up with during this time. And, and it sounds like you, Chris, have have kind of done the thing where it's why shut off a potential spigot when, just because we have never turned it on before when yep. right now we, we, we could use any cash flow that we could we can get. Why, why ignore this or wait for this until after this is all over? Yeah, we uh, we joke around uh, that first week when all the kind of quarantine started, and uh, I think that was like the third week of March, if I remember right. Um, we joke that we basically started started three new businesses overnight. Uh, we have we have four tap rooms, um, so we have two here in Asheville, North Carolina, one in Knoxville, Tennessee, and one in Durham, North Carolina, and. Um, Within the span of a day, we started curbside pickup for beer, which we had never done before. It basically turned into drive-through drive-through beer stores. Um, as as Al mentioned, uh, we started shipping beer, uh, which is not something we've never done before. 
And the, the third one is we started delivering beer out of all of our tap rooms. So within 24 hours, we literally had to write SOPs for, for three new business models. Um, so we've definitely, uh, we're all about keeping an open mind and uh, I'll, I'll, I'll consider anything to, uh, as long as it makes sense um, and is good for the brand uh, to try to try to push it out there. You are uh, example number 7,461 since we've launched this podcast of it, this isn't just a bunch of people drinking beer all day. These, these are business people, and it's in their best interest to make sure that their business side is just as locked up and, and locked down as, the, as their beer brewing side. 100%. And, you know, as you're managing risk, so risk isn't always negative. So with COVID, because the packaging had to be out of cans because no one was serving draft. What a great opportunity for you to take the resources you already had available. You already had your packaged beer and to go ahead and use that risk as an opportunity for your business. Good job. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. What's your calendar look like? Because you, you've given us the example now of, okay, we had the, the plan to roll out into Virginia. We obviously had upped our production to prepare for that eventuality, but you're also releasing new beers was was that already on the schedule? Are you trying to to be nimble as far as what kind of beers you're releasing for a change circumstance? What how has your calendar of releases been affected by this? Yeah, it's um, we've actually increased the number of releases, which is kind of opposite of a lot of other breweries as well. Um, typically, if you're going to look at IRI or Nielsen data, which are grocery store scan data, um, what's really selling right now are kind of the old the old standards you know sierra pale ale um new belgium uh their, their voodoo ranger ipa series is on fire um it's it's the stuff that people know and trust and you don't have to think a whole lot when you grab it um on the flip side though there's still a lot of people out there um who want to try that new shiny toy uh, who, who, who are always trying to find the next greatest latest and greatest thing um, so, um, you mentioned being nimble earlier. Um, we kind of saw that as an opportunity, this as an opportunity to, to do a few more collab collaboration beers, to do a few more one-offs, um, to actually, uh, we're, we're tra- planning on some beer calendar changes that we're going to launch this fall for our core brands. Um, we were able to kind of do some pilot batches, um, on our production system just to kind of, kind of get it going. So we, we kind of use this as a way uh, this time is a way to experiment, um, and we canned um, everything we did. Um, so, uh, you know, and it's, it's kind of, it's relatively small batch stuff. An example of Virginia, I'll get like 50, 60 cases of each of these. Um, and so it's, uh, it's, it's been fun. We've been able to be creative while still engaging um, our customer base. I find that interesting that you're focusing on being creative just because in your brand history, you guys were mainly focused when you first opened seven years ago, you were focused on perfecting the lager, right? Yep. So okay. if you could not brew a lager that was flawless, like you weren't going to go into this brewing industry. You weren't going to open the brewery. So you've been able to do that. And what a pivot for you to be able to change from doing those flagship styles to go and be creative. Yeah. So how in your production, was that like a mindset you had to change with your brewer it was, and it's it's a continual it's a continual process. Um, when we first opened, um, we started in a small uh, brewery downtown Asheville, um, which we still have that facility. We, we've we've switched it over to um, Barrel Age Sour Brewery. That's all we do up there. And um, but when when we had that building, we were limited uh, uh, capacity constrained on packaging and brewing and and everything. We we couldn't make enough beer. So when we first started, um, we, we really kind of uh, focused on four core beer styles and the occasional seasonal or specialty beer. Um, and when we, we built a, a new production brewery in 2015, uh, which is where I'm at right now, um, we were able to kind of spread our legs a little bit. Um, we also knew um, that while you know these core beers traditionally pay the bills, um, we, we felt like we were kind of missing a, a subgroup of consumer, um, that wants kind of new, exciting stuff may never get the same, may never buy the same beer twice. 
Um, and so we've, we've always been very proud that we can kind of play in both those worlds. We can play in that grocery store world. Um, and we can also play in the, uh, the, the, the niche specialty world as well. And we can kind of seamlessly go back and forth. Um, so it's, it's a, it's a continual mindset change. Um, and, uh, but to me, that's what kind of keeps this fun and interesting. Let's, uh, let's, let's talk about what you guys have done and how you guys have adjusted the, the tap room and the, the actual, the beer drinking experience during the last four months. North Carolina been a little more aggressive in their opening plans than, than Virginia and Maryland and the district. How have you guys seen people come back? Like, what has been your observations on how people have come back to something that over the last five years has become a staple of the beer drinkers kind of world is visiting breweries and tap rooms? Yeah, absolutely. Um, at first, that, that first week was uh, was kind of weird. Everyone was kind of just like looking around <laughs> like, is this okay? Like, am I, am I allowed to do this? Um, but, uh, I think people have, have gotten used to what we're doing. Um, kind of overall, uh, the way all of our four tap rooms work now is, um, we have a host or hostess, uh, that, that'll greet you. Um, that's something that we used to not have before. And, um, that person just kind of tells you what the flow is, kind of what our expectations are. Um, we require a mask. Um, if you're, if you're up walking around, going to the restroom, stuff like that. Um, just kind of kind of passing that information on. And we also are encouraging people. We Our POS system, point of sale system, has an app um, where you can start and close your tab yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, so that way there's no, there's no handing back and forth a credit card or cash or anything like that. We're just trying to decrease contact points. So the, the host or hostess will um, encourage the customer to put that app on their phone. And, uh, and that way, when you close out, you can just, you, you hit a button on your cell phone and you can just walk out the door. It's, it's awesome. It's great. Um, so, so there's kind of a little bit of an information session. And then as you walk up to the bar, we are doing bar service, um, but we don't have any seats at the bar. It's, it's all open. Uh, we've got some plexiglass shields kind of in between the, uh, the purchaser and the bartender. And we have everything in a one-way flow. So you walk in one way, you walk out the other way. So there's nobody walking past each other. Um, and it's, uh, it feels safe. It feels really good. Um, we've, uh, definitely, uh, put all the tables out separately. Uh, we're at 50% capacity in all of our spaces. Um, and it's kind of just become our new normal. Um, you can tell a lot of people who, um, who are coming out, uh, it's, you know, it's been a stressful year and, uh, I think people really, really enjoy having a, a safe, fun, relaxing space to go hang out in. What's your outdoor space look like? Uh, you were talking about the indoor space, but is there outdoor space? Yeah, it, it varies per location. So we have four locations. Um, all of our locations, so our, our production brewery, our Knoxville, and our Durham tap rooms do have ample outdoor seating. Each can sit about 40, 50 people outside. Um, our downtown Asheville space has zero, um, zero patio. Uh, but but it it's kind of an indoor outdoor feel anyways. We have two really big garage doors in front that are always open now, and uh, since we're at fifty percent capacity, our, our our capacity in there is twenty four people. <laughs> so it's it's uh, it's it's definitely uh, it's it's interesting, uh, but it's safe and it's what it's what people want. It's the right thing to do, um, but. You know, and yeah, I, 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 I ask that question because and so let's let's take the Asheville location out of it. Have you found that people uh, are more comfortable sitting outside or was it kind of a breaking of the seal to even I would imagine every day just in my head that people just gravitate towards the outside. And then once one or two groups start going inside, it's oh, OK, we can go inside. We'll do that, too. Yeah, 100 uh, percent. The outdoor seats are always taken first. Um, I think uh, it just it. You know, I, there's there's definitely some science behind that. That that is that is a safer safer way to go. You know, you don't you don't want to be in confined spaces ever. Um, but yeah, you nailed it. It's uh, people want to sit outside right now. I'd like to go get a little more into kind of the production during this time, and and I'll start with asking you what what's the best way to put this? Uh, how tight? How small is that tight rope that you are walking between brewing in normal times and brewing in today times 
and and kind of finding that balance of what's what's too much or what's not enough based on this new reality that we're in. Yeah, absolutely. That has been um, a huge challenge. Um, so the way our, our production schedule works, um, you know, we uh, we sell beer in eight states now, and we have eighteen distributors that we work with. And we ask um, those distributors to kind of place a, a placeholder order about four weeks in advance of when they're going to receive their shipment. Um, we have a shipping calendar, so all of our distributors know exactly when they're going to get high wire beer throughout the year. And then based on what they we, – we, we compile all of those orders together, and that di- dictates our brewing schedule of uh, what we need to brew. So we're, we're, we're pretty much a brew-to-order brew brewery. Um, you know, it's uh, – of course, there's some some magic and guessing in there, but for the most part, we're 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 trying not to brew extra or less than what our distributors are asking for. Um, and there's a lot of uncertainty out there right now. So a lot a lot of uh, you know, especially in the uh, the on premise, the keg business. Um, who knows, you know, what what the right answer is to order. So it's been a struggle. Um, a lot of our wholesalers have been very conservative on their on their initial ordering, and then. You know, all of a sudden, uh, a phase will change in a state. You know, we'll go from phase one to phase two, and, and can, some restaurants can open. And all of a sudden, they're like, oh, my gosh, we need 40 yeah. kegs. And like, wow, we don't have to, you know, <laughs> we didn't make those 40 kegs kind of thing. So we've definitely kind of had to be learn to be a little more flexible um, and just kind of roll with the punches. You know, those, those last-minute changes are going to happen. Um, and just kind of, you know, our distributors are our partners. So, um Work work hard to uh, accommodate those last minute changes. Um, on the specialty side, um, we always decide what we're going to brew ahead of time. So that's not really a brew to order. So that really hasn't changed. Um, but overall, um, I just I just looked at an overall distribution sales for the year for us. Uh, we're only down ten percent. Um, so, and that's that's losing. All of our keg business. Yeah. We were we were fifty five, forty five can to keg. Um, so we've we've stayed busy. We've been fortunate. And that goes back to open up the revenue stream of going into Virginia. If you hadn't done that, how much further would you be off year to year? We would be about down we'd be down about fifteen, sixteen percent yeah. Virginia. So that I mean and that's that's a significant Yep. revenue replacement system that you had put in place and that you'd still you still did the rollout on even if a lot of people probably would have said is this the time to be doing this exactly exactly which leads to my my last coronavirus related question which is could you have done this and i i'm referring back to our conversation with chris from old ox kind of the same size maybe a little bit smaller of a brewery than you are but could you have done this if you were a bigger brewer aka let's say up and down the east coast um and could you have done this if you were a smaller brewer aka maybe my my one location brew for one location kind of system uh as terms of uh just staying alive yeah uh, staying alive and staying kind of consistent as far as as revenue is concerned yeah um absolutely so Right now, um, I think the bigger bigger brewers are in a much much better position than, than smaller brewers, a hundred percent, and that's for a few reasons. Um, better better economies of scale, so they're they're able to make their product cheaper just because they can they have they have buying power, um, and then chain relationships, chain grocery relationships, um, chain grocery sales are still just on fire for the year. Um, there's there's record-setting beer sales out of grocery stores right now. And, and a lot of these, for the most part, big brewers have those existing relationships, and they were able to really capitalize on this this big shelf-loading period and people not going to restaurants and really just buying cans and bottles for, for home. Um, so I, I think the big brewers, um, and this is an opposite trend in the last couple of years. You, kind of, yeah. you know, we, we, we heard for a long time, you know, big regional brewers just kind of kind of struggle and decline because the little guys are nipping at their feet. Um, the tables have turned this year. The, the big guys are, are doing very, very well for the most part. Um, I can't imagine um, being a small brewery that doesn't distribute, that relies on all of your revenue to come out of your tap room right now, um, especially if you didn't have a canning line <laughs> yep. or, 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 or cans and process or even a mobile can or anything like that. Um, just trying to sell growlers out of your tap room throughout all this. Um, 
I, uh, I do not envy those folks. Um, that's a that's a tough that's a super tough place to be in, and I, I hope I hope everybody bounces back out of it. You mentioned it; it's it's been flipped on its head because for years it was to get a cannery line or to not get a cannery line and to yeah. justify the cost of doing it. And a lot of small brewers said, you know what, it's not worth it for us. And they were kind of seeing the rewards for that of not having that huge cannery in their brewery and not taking up that space or having to meet production because they have to pay off that. And now it's kind of going the other way. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, it's interesting. It's a weird, weird world. <laughs> Uh, Lachelle, I gotta, I gotta ask you because anecdotally, I'm, I'm thinking to myself, something that Chris said earlier makes, makes a lot of sense of, of Sierra Nevada sales being out the Pale Ale, uh, the, the Ranger series being, and I just, as soon as he said that, I was like, you know what? When I've gone into beer and wine stores, which has been much more infrequent than it was pre-pandemic, I'm not browsing. I just want to get in there yep. and out of there as quickly as possible. So as a pale ale lover, I'm going right to the ki- the freezer. I'm seeing the Sierra Nevada. I'm like, I want a pale ale. That's the one I know. I don't have any time to look at cans or open up many different uh, freezers, turn cans around to see what kind of style it is. It's If it just says right on there, lager, I'm probably going to grab it because that's what I'm in the mood yep. for. Yep, get in, get out. <laughs> yeah, it's because we are limiting the number of trips that we make outside of our home. I think that's why the grocery um, store sales have increased, right? Because we're trying to get it all at one time. That's why places like Wegmans, who are known for having a great yep. craft beer selection, and I hope it's succeeding for them. I hope that maybe it's expanding horizons as people are making that one trip out of their home to get their supplies, and hopefully they're being exposed to different styles just you know, and high wire is an excellent example of that. It's something new on the shelf. Let me take this six pack home and try it. We've noticed, uh, you know, our, uh, we, we do some 12 packs of, of a few of our beers, um, our high pitch IPA, our low pitch IPA, and we do a mix, mix 12 pack and, uh, sales of 12 packs are on fire too. So it's, it's all about, uh, value and, um, going to the store and frequently stocking so. up. Yeah. I'll take a 12 yep. pack. Cause then that makes me, I don't have to come back as often. It's nice. Exactly. And then, but also, and I, I would assume, and you guys can tell me if I'm wrong as a consumer, if I'm buying a 12 pack, I better damn well know that I like this beer. <laughs> I'm not going to experiment with a 12 pack. Exactly. Yep. Yep. It better be good. Uh, Michelle, you got anything coronavirus related or if not, we'll take a break and we'll come back and get into the history of high wire. Well, I have one corona, kind of coronavirus related. So Highwire, they produced a beer to benefit the service industry. Oh. And what I liked about this beer was the title. Yeah. And the title is literally Donate to Service Industry Workers by Drinking This Beer. Kind of self-explanatory. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we have, we have what else do you need? One. Yeah, what else do you need? Um, yeah, that was our uh, – we have an in-house creative director who does our uh, can design and kind of oversees our uh, – our social media uh, uh, program, and uh, that was his idea. He was like, "Let's straight to the point. Uh, t- tell people what it is." Because again, it's people aren't browsing right now. Yep. So uh, if that doesn't catch your eye, I don't. I don't know what else does. No, that, that's that. I love that idea, and it goes back to what I was saying. If if you just had a beer that just said lager on it, and then the, the name yeah. of the brewery, I'm more than likely to grab that if I'm in the mood for a lager. So it's it's genius marketing. Awesome. Thanks. How is it? How is it performing? How is it doing? And, and what kind of beer is it? Yeah, it's a um, a session IPA, um, and uh, we, we we made just a few batches of it, uh, and it sold out very very quick. Uh, we were uh, it had, had a good message behind it, um, easy drinking beer. Um, so we were able to get a lot of grocery store programming with it down here in North Carolina, um, and so it uh, it's it sold quick. Uh, we ended up donating um, around two dollars a case to. Uh, we split it fifty fifty between the National Restaurant Workers Fund and then a, a North Carolina based fund. Fantastic, so, great it cause. It was a fun project. Yeah. Uh, so we'll take our break here. We'll come back. We'll get into the history of High Wire and uh, I'll delve a little bit more into their invasion across the border into Virginia. <laughs> It's good to have Head Retention back, and in the next week or so, I'll be launching my other podcast from their hiatus, including Pitch Pass. MLS Soccer is back, so Pitch Pass returns. If you are a fan of American soccer, this is a podcast that you definitely want to check out. It's called Pitch Pass. 
And my Pearl Jam Focus podcast, Jamily Matters, returns as we rank the songs off of the most famous Pearl Jam album, 10. If you are just a casual fan, this is a good little entryway into this podcast known as Jamily Matters, as you will definitely know all the songs, even if you are barely a Pearl Jam fan. Check out Pitch Pass and Jamily Matters through the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast, including where you got this one. All right, welcome back to Head Retention. Uh, we have Chris from High Wire Brewery, uh, Brewing or Brewery. And by the way, Chris, uh, brew it. Brew I would it. love to ask yeah. you this question: um, What makes you decide to go with brewery versus brewing, or vice versa? Um, I don't think it, it just kind of rolled off the tongue better. <laughs> okay, all right. Um, yeah, that was that was back in 2012. So I. I don't even pretend to remember that conversation. <laughs> a lot of beer has been brewed and a lot of beers consumed since then. Yeah. <laughs> well, welcome uh, to the show again. And I'd, I'd like to take the few minutes here, just talk about the history of Highwire before we get into uh, your distribution into Virginia, which is uh, the backyard of, of this podcast. So uh, if you can, although he just he just said, Lachelle, that 2012 is a long way away from him. <laughs> if you can, go back in time. Give us a little history of Highwire for our, our Virginia listeners who may not be familiar with the brewery. Absolutely. Um, so we have a pretty non-traditional uh, story. So, you know, a lot of your, your typical brewery opening story is a talented brewer, you know, st- starts it uh, him or herself, you know, kind of jumps in, whether they're, you know, a lot of homebrewing accolades or they're just really, really, you know, work for another brewery and they want to kind of go on their own. Um, that is the opposite of what our story is. Um, so I uh, am a licensed pharmacist. Um, so pre, pre-Highwire, uh, my wife and I both were uh, Walgreens pharmacists um, doing the grind here in Asheville. Mm-hmm. Um, and my business partner, Adam, um, was developing commercial real estate. So more specifically, affordable housing. He, he kind of used state, worked for a company here in Asheville, he used a lot of state grants to make affordable affordable housing. Um, neither, none of us had ever worked in beer. None of us had ever um, had, had no clue what it was like to operate a brewery or even what we were, what the heck we were doing. Um, but we were all, you know, fairly, uh, we like to think we're fairly intelligent people. Um, and we're all just kind of big beer nuts and, and at the same time wanted to start our own business and, uh, just weren't totally happy with what we were doing in our day-to-day lives and, um, was out to dinner with some friends one night and, uh, they just kind of casually mentioned that there was a, uh, a brewery here in Asheville for sale or that it was about to be for sale. Um, and that had never happened before. And this was kind of, kind of a little bit, Asheville was, was growing big as a beer town, but it was, it was kind of a little bit before it, it, it became what it is today. Yeah. Um, and it, it just kind of a light bulb just popped into my head. I'm like, you know what? Like, I'm just going to go, I'm going to go poke, poke around and, and see what's going on. Um, went over, uh, just kind of covertly hung out in their tap room for a few days and just kind of, kind of just looked around. And, uh, next thing you know, um, Adam, uh, business partner is a, a number whiz. He runs our, our kind of the financial side of our business. He was he was putting together some financial projections. I was writing a business plan. Um, we got a uh, small business administration loan, and we we bought the place. Um, and that was our uh, where our original brewery is downtown. Um, actually hired um, our our current only head brewer that we ever had. He's, he's still our current head brewer from that brewery that went out of business. Um, we, uh, just kind of got to know him a little bit, challenged him to, uh, to make a beer for us. And, uh, he made now what's our, uh, one of our best-selling seasonal beers, our Strongman coffee milk stout. Um, so that'll, that'll be up in Virginia this October. Um, but yeah, I made that beer, um, and we hired him on the spot. And so, so we, uh, from there kind of in our business plan, um, you know, we like to, I like to think about what can we do to be different? What can we do to be unique? Um, I never, you know. I don't think anybody's been successful just by, I'm sure some people have, but not common to be successful just by copying what your neighbor's doing all the time. Um, so the, kind of the two pillars of our business plan when we first started um, to differentiate ourselves were, number one, make a lager, uh, which which you guys mentioned, mentioned earlier. At the time, um, 
craft loggers were almost unheard of. Yep. Um, and still not, not as common as, as, as ales. Um, and the other one was, was put beer into 12, a 12 ounce, you know, 12 ounce six packs for sale. Um, and we did that from day one. And at the time, now that's, that's common. Now people open up doing that a lot more. Um, but at the time, um, that was, that was a crazy move as well. And, it, and it's weird to think, think back on, you know, Asheville, um, you know, has some of the high, one of the highest per capita brewery counts in the country. Um, and I, everybody p- bottles or cans now, but at the time there were only two other Asheville breweries packaging. That was Highland Brewing, uh, which is the, you know, the, who kind of started it all here in Asheville. And then, um, a brewery called Asheville Brewing, they were, they were canning. So we, uh, we turned some heads when we, when we started bottling and showing up in grocery stores, you know, two months into, into being open. So, um, Rest is history. <laughs> we, uh, we, I think this is the first time that I've met someone in the brewing industry whose previous life was as a pharmacist. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, you know, it wasn't for me. <laughs> I, yeah, I, uh, the money was, the money was great. It was a good job. Um, I just kind of, I got, I got worn down in the, with the customer service side of it. Yep. And, um, also just, uh, yelling at insurance companies all day long. Yep. I, I didn't enjoy, didn't enjoy that. Something. So tell me the story behind like the high wire and the circus branding and that theme. Like what was, what was the thought process behind that? Yeah. So a couple, couple meetings. Um, first again, I, I, I think from our kind of non-traditional background, um, we were able to, or at least wished that we were able to see us in the future being on grocery store shelves. Um, so it was kind of, usually it's kind of the opposite. People start a small brewery and then the grocery just kind of happens. Uh, for us, that was, that was a plan for, from day one. So it was really important for us, just whatever we did to be, to have a fun, lighthearted, cohesive brand. So that, that was, that was number one. We, we, we thought of that from the beginning. Um, number two, um, so Asheville is kind of a circus. Um, you guys, you guys been to Asheville, North Carolina before? It is on my bucket list. I'm hoping to get down yeah. there. Mine too. Nice, nice. Awesome. Well, you bet you guys better reach out when you come. Um, it's kind of a circus. It's a, it's a funky town. Um, it's, it's uh, a lot of free spirits, a lot of hippies, uh, just kind of good, uh, interesting place so we, we kind of said Asheville's kind of a circus uh the circus is fun uh we're we're a fun brewery we, we try not to take ourselves too seriously um a lot of uh, a lot of breweries out there are, are very serious very uh very competitive um we just kind of uh you know we do our thing have a good time doing it and then the final reason for for high wire is a little more met- metaphorical um you know it's kind of uh walking that tightrope balance between having fun, being happy, but also being successful. So, you know, we all, we all, we all left kind of some, uh, you know, pretty lucrative white collar jobs to, to do this. Um, so it's all about life balance. I, um, I, I don't want to speculate too much. So if, if I, if I filled in the holes with the wrong answers, just say, Roach, you, you got it all wrong. But (laughs) one thing that I took away from, from your, your backstory that I really loved hearing was your, the story of your hiring of the head brewer. A lot of times you think to yourself, you know what? I'm buying a brewery. I want to sweep everything out because it didn't work. Obviously, if it's if it's for sale, people wanted to get out. Something is wrong with it. The fact that you yep. challenged your brewer to go, okay, look, whatever constraints you were working under before, whatever the marching orders were before, that's fine. You did the best you could within those circumstances. I'm not going to just throw everybody out the window just because we're moving in. This is what our plan is. If you can work, if you can do something and you can be more creative under us, let's see what you got. And you did it and it worked out. Yep, absolutely. It was uh, definitely a gamble. Um, but, you know, we've, uh, while I definitely give my opinions of, of what I'd like to see made or styles or ideas or package sizes, at the end of the day, that the brewing team is a autonomous division of our company um you know that w- we might say like hey we need to we need to come out with uh this, a double ipa or something but that that's where it ends um it's, it's up to them they have total total creative power to uh to, to brew the best beer that they can and i think that that's what he was missing in his, his previous environment 
Lachelle, you've you've and you've worked at, you've worked in in a lot of different breweries brewing beer. Is that something that you found is could be an issue at breweries? Is the the owners who are not brewers but are you know obviously funding the the thing have a little too much input on the this the beers that are being brewed and not letting the brewers do their job? I'm just going to say absolutely. <laughs> That's a huge thing. But you know, what I wanted to ask Chris, because he did have that background in home brewing, we were interested. So does your brewer let you get into the production? Are you able to brew? Does he let you play with the brewing space? Or, or does your production team, that's their face? Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't at all. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I suppose I could uh... – you know, we have we have two breweries. We have the original one and the production brewery here. I, I suppose I could call our specialty brewer and hop on the pilot system if I wanted to. Um, you can ask for permission to go back there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, no, that's uh, that is definitely not not my area. Um, I I would probably break something, so I don't need to do that. That's, <laughs> that's a great reflection on you and your business partner Adam that your brewer has stayed with you for seven years. Yeah, that's, yeah. absolutely. That's a that's very long term in this industry. So congratulations to you on that. I think that's um, that, that says a lot about who you are as a business and who you are as people. Thanks. Yeah, I think it's all about uh, healthy boundaries and trust. I was going to I was going to ask Chris why his high wire brewing shirt says Larry on it. Yeah. And I, now I'm just I'm going to I'm just going to go world create right here, Chris, and just say this is when Chris wants to go in and brew. Larry goes yeah. in and brews. Hey, you know what? Just Larry, yeah. mild mannered guy looking to do some brewing. Don't worry about me. I'm not the owner. That's Chris. I'm Larry. That's exa- exactly. <laughs> this is Larry, the alter ego. Uh, now we uh, found a company. Uh, we have a, a, sa- a sales manager based in Nashville, Tennessee, and there's a local company there that um, upcycles work shirts for like auto bodies and they'll uh so they'll, they'll leave the name on there perfect larry uh but you can add your own patch and logo or whatever and so we we uh as a present to uh all the employees um we uh we got them a a shirt with an alter ego name on it i love so, it big big hit, big hit around here i love it and as the owner it yeah. probably c- it comes in handy when you're walking around with yeah. larry <laughs> you know the owner chris I, I, he's yeah. not here today but if you have a, if you have something you want to complain about make sure you find chris when he's in i'm larry <laughs> exactly my my favorite one is uh, our operations manager is a really really big guy uh beard beard three times long as mine and hair down to his butt and he's got uh, his son's Debra. It just cracks me up. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so the other thing I wanted to, to to follow up with is is the the making of the lager. Now I have very strong opinions about the the actual making of the beer and being true to the recipe of the style. But I would like to hear your thoughts on why Make a Lager was one of your two initiatives in in buying this brewery. Yeah. Um, First, uh, we just wanted to differentiate ourselves again. Um, We, uh, if everybody makes a six and a half percent IPA, um, what 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 makes you stand out in the in the world with now over eight thousand breweries? Um, you know, you can make the best IPA in the world. Uh, not everyone's going to drink it because there, there's always the, the local version, which is probably just as good, if not better, and maybe even fresher. Um, and so what, what makes what, what, what differentiates you? Um, the other reason is that's that's what we like to drink. Um, and, and again, there, there wasn't um, a lot of solid local options. So we, we kind of set out to do that. Um, and that, that original lager, which, which is still one of our flagship beers, is just called high wire lager. Um, that, that program has branched out. Yep. There you go. <laughs> there it is. Uh, there's, there's the can. Beautiful can, by the um, way, beautiful can. Yeah. And, uh, that program's branched out, uh, to, we make a lot of different types of lagers. Um, our, our, uh, kind of a, one of the creative outlets for our head brewer who, who really, uh, you know, doesn't doesn't really physically brew very much anymore. Um, is we make this series called Local Lager Series. Well, we'll get um, Carolina or East Coast grown um, barley and make different types of types of lagers. So we just did a dry hot Vienna lager. Um, our our next release is going to be a Fest beer. 
Um, we've done a Bohemian Dark Lager. We do a Doppelbach. We do a Baltic Porter. Um, all kinds of different fun traditional lagers. Um, really, really proud of. And then um, also this year, we launched a, uh, an alter ego uh, to Highwire called Old North. Uh, so North Carolina is known as the Old North State. Um, and uh, we wanted to make kind of just a, you know, almost a PBR competitor. Um, so we, we launched Old North Premium Lager. Um, so lagers are, you know, while it's, it's uh, nowhere near our best sellers, um, lagers aren't keeping the lights on. Um, it's, it's, it's core to who we are mm. um, as, a com- as a company. Uh, we brew with patience, uh, and we brew uh, with, you know, quality ingredients, and we make quality beer. And, and I think uh, being able to make a wide variety of, of approachable, stylistically correct lagers uh, just kind of almost gives you some street cred. Yeah, and, and, and honestly, and I know I've said this a number of times on the podcast, but just for you, Chris, for me, the, the reason I love it is because you can't, you can't hide behind anything if you're brewing just a straight lager or in, your, in, the, in the case of the, the Old North, the premium lager. It, it just has yep. to stand on how well you can execute the recipe. And to me, that differentiates exactly. uh, a capital B brewery from a small B brewery. Yep, yep. It's all, it's all about that uh, fermentation profile. When did you start doing the Old North lager? Was it the beginning of this year? Yep, we launched it in uh, January of 2020 here. So. All right, so Roach, I don't know if you're keeping track, but in the past half hour, I've heard like about what six new business plans that have happened. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're nuts. Uh, we're also about to announce. Um, you'll see a press release next week. Uh, another tap room. So. Oh my god! We're, in Virginia, I was going to ask you this. It was going to be one of my questions. We're. So I, we're uh, Maybe one day. This this is this is another one in North Carolina here, uh, but we do like we do like the Virginia market quite a bit. So I, I wouldn't put that out of the question. That you are surveying the market, trying to determine if it would make sense to open a tap room in Virginia. Yeah, it, exactly. Um, kind of markets where we've opened tap rooms um, are a the number one most important thing is great relationship with our distributor there. Uh, B is. Um, you know, is, is our product resonating with, with people in that town? And then we typically like kind of middle, more middle-sized cities, anywhere mm-hmm. from 150 to 300,000 people. That's that's kind of our our, uh, our wheelhouse of where we like to be. Really, really big cities. We, you know, I don't want to get lost in the shuffle and, and yeah. all that good stuff, so. Uh, I don't. I don't know if Lachelle wants to nerd out on North Carolina malts now or later. Uh, it's up to her. <laughs> I just find. I mean. I understand like what's what excites me does not excite everyone with it in the beer drinking, but I love how you are keeping true to who you are as a local brewery by using North Carolina malt, by having that lager program that incorporates locally grown ingredients, but you're still expanding. You're not keeping yourself like you said earlier that you didn't consider yourself to be a regional brewery. And I kind of chuckled because I was like, Oh, that's really funny. As he said, eight States. (laughs) Yeah. We, we are. <laughs> we still think of ourselves as a small brewery, though. Yeah, but the fact that you're able to experiment and that you're trying to make your beer as local as possible in whatever definition that means for you at that time and giving that creative freedom to your brewing team, wow, that's I can't wait. I want to find all the lager series, and Roach and I are just going to sit and be like, yes, this is definitely East Carolina Mall. Yep. Um, Our uh, specialty beverage has been bringing them in. So I can, um, I'll uh, run a report and send it over to you guys where you can find them. But yeah, they're they're really, they're really fun beers. So, yeah. And so, like, if we, uh, as Lachelle drinks her her high wire beer, uh, Chris is working. My high wire delivery has been delayed, so I didn't get the beer oh, in no. time to sample. So I've <laughs> got t- I've got something to do for Fourth of July weekend, which is which is great. But it's it, it's a it's a good question to to then ask you since I'm not able to taste it right now. And this might be a question that makes no sense, but as a consumer, I think to myself, okay, well, how is a North Carolina malt going to change or affect the flavor of a beer that I'm drinking? So as a as a person who will be picking up high wire beers in Northern Virginia soon, what am I going to be looking for from a North Carolina malt that's going to maybe uh, change the profile of the beer from from malts that are not North Carolina? I think it's just going to kind of add a little more complexity to your palate. Um, you know, a lot of, uh, you know, our base malt, um, which 
it's I'm assuming the majority of, of craft breweries in this country use, you know, it's just two row barley. Most of it's grown in um, Canada or, you know, Northern Midwest. Um, everyone's kind of accustomed to that, to that flavor. Um, I think a locally grown barley, you know, a, a heritage strain, um, is going to kind of have a little more complexity in the flavor to it. Um, just kind of, kind of touch your tongue in a little bit unique way that you're not used to. So, um, it's kind of like, uh, um, wine drinking different wines from different regions Got it. you know if you get really into wine you can you can kind of and i'm i'm clearly i'm nowhere near near this level but uh you know different people can pick out different regions of where that wine's from and, and i won't have kind of been growing um barley because i think that's where you're going to find your complexities right because some of like where most people get their malts from it's been around since what 50 60 years like yeah. how so we're looking at some of these north carolina malts that are fairly new yep and, and a lot of them, too, um, a lot of the North Carolina barley is uh, six-row barley versus two-row barley. So they count the number of tassels on, on, the, on the barley there. And that kind of gives a, a little more a little more complexity as well. Definitely a different flavor. Uh, this has been nerding out with Lachelle and Chris. Yeah. <laughs> I like it, though. I mean, because this is the thing. This is, It'd be perfect to maybe do a vertical test where I, I get like a macro or maybe a, a like a, a more well-known uh, DMV type beer and taste that and then do the taste test with this and go, OK, I'm tasting different things. And this is now refining my palate. And I want you to malt like in its form before we grind it and put it into the mash. Like, I want you to just to taste it because and then taste the beer that it's in. And I think it'll really come together for you. That. But again, that's my nerdiness and my sensory. I love it. <laughs> I love it. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about the one of the first topics you hit on, which is the the kind of lack of cross-pollination between North Carolina and Virginia as far as beer is concerned. You mentioned it. You guys are neighbor states. Although I'll tell you this, as somebody who lives, who's been uh, mid-Atlantic most of my life, Philly, where it's the tri-state area, Pennsylvania, New Jersey, Delaware, all within 30 minutes of each other. Now living in the DMV, three different areas. And if you want to throw in West Virginia, all within 30 minutes of each other. Is is there a difference when you get to areas where there's not a tri-state area? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think um, Virginia especially, and we, 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 this is a conversation we've had many, many times, like what, what makes Virginia different? Um, and kind of give a little background, if you were to look at our distribution map, we totally skipped over Virginia because we just were, it's, it's been this big animal we've been scared of. Um, so we're, 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 we go around you. We, uh, we're in Kentucky. We're in Ohio. We're in Ohio. Yeah. We sell beer in, we sell beer in Cleveland, um, which is crazy. Um, uh, but, but, but not Virginia. Um, I think Virginia and especially Northern Virginia, where, where you all are at, um, there's so many transplants. There's so many people from all over the world who, who live there. Um, I think that's what makes it, makes it unique. Um, you know, whereas in Kentucky, you know, a lot of people are from Kentucky. They live, they still live in Kentucky. They're always going to live in Kentucky. Um, I, I think it just makes it a totally different, uh, demographic of people. I also noticed, uh, when, when this first started exploding, I'm talking about the craft beer scene and you guys opening in 2012 were right at the cusp of the explosion, uh, Asheville specifically, but North Carolina in general got a much better, they cemented their reputation as a brewing area much faster than Virginia did. And I'm wondering if that kind of added to the kind of closing off of the two, the two states from each other. Oh, that's interesting. I've, I've never, uh, I've never heard that idea. I, I could see that happening for sure. Um, yeah, it, it, it's interesting why Asheville is what it is today. You know, some of it had to do with state laws. Um, you know, our, our, our laws have always been very pro beer, um, but very anti liquor, which is, which is interesting. <laughs> um, and, uh, Asheville itself, I, I think it's just, it's a lot of people who want to work for themselves, the whole free spirit aspect of it. Again, I think just really kind of kickstart and just, just create a lot of creative people here. A lot of artists, um, kickstart the, kickstart the whole, whole beer movement here. But yeah, that's an interesting point. What made it, you decide that now, and I'm talking about pre-pandemic, was the time to, to get into Virginia? Was it just a matter of, look, we've, we've circled the wagon as much as we can. It's time to dive in and get over whatever fear we have of this monster of a state that's just above us? Or was it uh, a, like financially, this is the next available move? Um, we're, we're, 
We're always growing. Um, we're always working on something to, to grow the business, whether it's retail locations, distribution, new products. Um, we don't, we don't rest, we don't sit well. Um, so we definitely were looking, um, to launch a new market in 2020. And, um, a lot of it actually was, um, or is kind of chain grocery driven. Um, so we have a, we have a great relationship with, uh, Kroger, big national grocery store chain. Um, and they have a heavy presence in Virginia. So that's kind that's kind of where we, uh, we knew we had to get there eventually. Um, and the way these, kind of grocery store buyers that work is they buy in uh, divisions. So the, the, the Virginia division is actually looped in with um, some other states. So it kind of makes sense for you to plot out your, if you're into chain grocery and, and selling a chain grocery to kind of make sure you cover their footprint of that division. It kind of makes it easier for that chain buyer to, uh, to uh, buy into your brand and, and put you on the shelf. Um, also on top of it, just we've, uh, you know, when, when people reach out and say, hey, how do I get your beer? Uh, we, we get those emails all the time from, from you know, all over the place. Um, we've consistently seen a lot of, lot of Virginia folks reaching out. Yeah. Um, and uh, finally, we, we love the beer scene up there. So there's uh, some great, great uh, Virginia breweries. Um, I know, I think Richmond gets uh, yeah. gets a lot of love and, and hype and everything. But all in all, throughout the whole state, there's there's great beer. There's a great beer culture. Um, it's still growing, uh, which is, which is good. Um, you know, it's not, uh, it's not like California where there's, I think they have like 900 breweries now or something crazy like that. Uh, there's still room to grow. There's, there's still some appreciation of well-made beer. Um, and the final thing, sorry, that's kind of a long minute answer. Um, we, when we look at marks where we want to sell beer in, um, we use Asheville as, as a selling point. Um, we kind of ask ourselves the question, where is Asheville relevant? You know, have you, have you heard of Asheville as a beer destination? If you have, um, we've got a leg up right away. Yep. Um, and we, uh, we, we love, love selling, selling us based on where we're from. Um, you know, we can go to Phoenix, Arizona. I bet you, if you ask somebody in Phoenix, like, Hey, you heard of Asheville before? Everyone's going to be like, no, what's that? Ashland, Oregon? You know, what are you, what are you talking about? Um, and, but, but we can do that in Virginia. You know, you can, you can ask a typical beer, beer fan in, in Virginia, like, Hey, you heard of Asheville? You been to Asheville? No. Well, but I've heard of it and I really want to go there. Okay, great. That's an, that's an end. I can start a conversation with you. So we, we, we kind of use that. Um, and like I said before, we're, uh, you know, with our little mini launch, we're happy with what we've done. And uh, we're really hoping that this can be a uh, springboard for us to continue to go north. I love that answer uh, on multiple levels because it's it's helpful for brewers who may be listening to this podcast and are not at the level of high wire. And I loved your last answer as well because that's literally when you asked us if we had been to Asheville, uh, I have never been. But like you said, I have neighbors who are big beer drinkers and they're like, we've got to go to Asheville. We've got to get to Asheville. We've got to because Asheville has that that credibility as a as a beer place that you need to visit if you love beer. And in Northern Virginia, now look, I'm in Maryland, full disclosure, but we're all 10, 20 minutes away from each other. But that's, that's, that's name recognition. And for you, that's a, that's where we need to be then. If, if they know Asheville and now I walk into a beer distributor or a beer and wine store and I see at the bottom brewed in Asheville, I'm already giving you guys a couple extra points than somewhere else that maybe not be local, but is still a good brewery. Right. Yep. Well, uh, we'll if anything, that, I'm going to Fourth of July weekend. My new question is going to be: Hi, I'm Michelle. Do you know where Asheville, North Carolina? Is? <laughs> <laughs> How many yes responses do I need, Chris, until we can start distributing to Arizona? Yeah, there, you go. there you go. <laughs> so, how many? How? How? And I, I know this is a, a projection to the future, but I'm sure you guys have already thought about this. How will you market in Virginia? And specifically, will your marketing strategy or will your plan to kind of uh, get the word out about Highwire be different from Northern Virginia and the rest of Virginia? Absolutely. Um, so the first first part about getting the word out, um, we kind of do just like most craft breweries. You know, we don't have, we don't have a huge marketing budget. Um, it's it's word of mouth. It's uh, talking to good folks like you who, uh, <laughs> about about beer, and it's. Um, it's, it's all about liquid lips to me. So it's, it's sampling opportunities. It's uh, getting people to try your beer. Cause there's just so many options out there. 
Um, we uh, we do a lot of social media advertising, uh, which we've kind of paused during all this. Just again, it's uh, feels funny to yep. advertise during this time. Yep. Um, also, just you know, everybody's everybody's hurting hurting in some way at the moment. Um, so. Hopefully, we get to truly launch the way we like to launch. Uh, we'll do a lot of targeted social media campaigns. Um, we, we love doing that stuff. We'll run specific ads for you know Charlottesville, Upstate, yep. uh, Richmond, the coast, all, all that stuff. Um, and then the biggest thing for us, again, um, is, is chain grocery. So we... Uh, we have we have a lot of work to do um, over the typically chain grocery buyers decide what's going to go on your shelf over the winter. So you'll, you'll present sometime October, November. They'll make their decisions by January. They'll flip the store March, April, assuming there's not a pandemic going on. And um, that's that's what's uh, that's what majority of the people see. Um, and for us, that billboard is very important to us. Um, we. Uh, if we're quote unquote clicking in a market, we have some grocery store distribution um, for our core items, and then but you can go to a specialty shop or a Total Wine, um, and you can get all of our crazy one-off stuffs. And we like when those two two avenues talk to each other. Yeah. So yeah. whereas you know, oh, I was just in Joe's Grocery down the street, and man, they just have that new high wire hazy IPA. That's awesome. But then they go into a Kroger or a Wegmans. And they're like, man, I just want a good lager. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, I just had that awesome high wire beer, high wire lager. I'm going to grab that. Yeah, that's that's kind of the pillar. That's my dream uh, of, of of when we can kind of achieve that kind of level of distribution. So is that's that, our that's our ultimate goal. Is that um, is that part of the reason why you you right now at or it could be just we've we've invaded Virginia. That's a big enough. Uh, area on its own, but is that part of the reason why you've you've kind of stopped at this point right now, rather than going into Maryland because of the the lack of of alcohol sales in grocery stores? Yeah, absolutely. Um, we just uh, we feel like we have a lot of work to do in Virginia. Yeah. So we uh, we need to get the word out. We need to, we need to build sales. We need to build some excitement. Um, and one great thing again about uh, our distributor in Virginia is that they also have um, sister companies in D.C. and Maryland. Yep. So, you know, we, we can kind of continue to build this this relationship, um, assuming they, can, they they keep liking us, we keep liking them. It's an easy springboard to keep kind of going up toward, towards your neck of the woods, and that's uh, – that's the plan, assuming we uh, we do our job. You know, you talked about Ohio, but it, it's actually now if, if it's a long term strategy, it's a, it's a really good long term strategy because you're you're up here in Ohio now. If you move into Virginia, move into Maryland, you're getting some cross pollination from Ohio into Pennsylvania, which makes a jump into yep. Pennsylvania, the next logical step. And now you filled in all the blanks. Yep, absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, who knows how long that'll take or when that'll be. But uh you know, we, we kind of uh, that is a long term vision and goal of ours. Didn't even mention West Virginia, Lashaw. I don't know if you noticed that. Just just went right. Out. <laughs> what about West Virginia? <laughs> hey, there's a bunch of Kroger's in West Virginia. They're next. They are next. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, Chris, let me ask you something. You um, when we were talking about the brand and you're talking about Highwire is lighthearted and it's fun. Are you having fun? Seven years into this, are you still having fun? Um, I'm an open book. Um, it goes in waves. It goes in waves for sure. Um, there's some times where you're just like, man, like what else? What else can go wrong? But I, th- I think that's any business. Yep. Um, you know, at the end of the day, looking back, uh, you know, if I have a bad day, um, I don't think a bad day now could even touch an average day of what I used to do on a day-to-day basis. So it's all about, it's all about perspective. Um, all in all, overall, yes, I'm having fun. Um, but yeah, this, this has been a rough year, been yeah. a very rough year. The show, what are you, what are you drinking by the way? Um, well, I finished my lager. So, so it, during what we've been talking, I've had the Citra Gosa, which um, if I can nerd out for a minute, again, it's the Gosa that's dry hopped with uh, Citra hops. And, it was an incredibly clear beer. I think that a lot of breweries, because it was dry hopped, that that beer would have been a little bit cloudy, a little bit easy. This beer was super clear. Like, I could have read something in the back of it. So, great quality on that. I just drank the high wire lager, and now I'm on the go getter, the low calorie IPA. Your third nice. beer? Jeez. 
I want to come. I want to come hang out with you. Seriously, <laughs> seriously. All right. Um, well, so what is the uh, you know we the, during the pandemic now? Let's just speak specifically about this. Your delivery is probably a little the looser the looser restrictions on delivery. So, what is the delivery look like now for for people uh, if, wherever, but specifically in your area in Virginia and maybe the district in Maryland? Uh, delivery, as in terms of can you de- can you deliver? I guess is the first question. Got it. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm not sure about. Physical like car delivery in Virginia. Have, have Burry's been able to do that up there? Yes. yes. Okay, that's good. That's good. Um, North Carolina, believe it or not, um, we've technically always been able to do it. Um, I just don't. No one. No one did it. No one did um, it. Yeah. So I, I, I think it. Uh, it just kind of popped up uh, clearly as an option to another another revenue stream. You know, people. People are self-quarantining or uncomfortable leaving their house. Um, it, it did really well, and it continues to do very well. Um, so we've, uh, um, just like uh, I, I described the app on your phone for our, our point-of-sale system, our point-of-sale system also integrates into our website. So uh, it's a super slick system. You can go on. You can um, order your beer. You can pay through there, wow. and then we'll, we'll deliver it later that day. So it's it's pretty it's pretty cool. Um, we're doing that in Asheville. Um, we've stopped delivery in Durham. Uh, we were doing it when we were closed down, and we, we did that just uh, lack of staff. I yeah. just didn't have enough people to do it. Um, and then in our Knoxville location, um, you have te- before all this, we're not allowed to, to deliver beer. Um, but there was a uh, a local county they just lifted up the restriction during all this. And I think that's set to expire in a month or two, but we'll keep delivering until until that expires. Um, I think people uh, people really like it. Um, you know, there's all the talk over this is when can I open? How can I open? How can I? How can we go back to normal? Whatever that means. Um, I think we forget about a lot of people who just aren't ready for that, you yep. know. Um, and so it's it's really important to uh, cater to those folks because they want beer too. <laughs> yep, yep. And I think I would assume a lot of the beer and wine stores in Northern Virginia uh, also uh, do delivery. So if you if you're looking for something different, and this is right. my, this is my real reason for asking you this, Chris. If you're looking for something different, uh, because you've you've you and I don't know. I've, this is what I've done. I've I've stuck to my go tos, and even for my deliveries, it's just been uh, six of this, six of this, six of this. Well, now it's been four months, and it's like I'd like a six of something else, please. So if you've listened, yeah. if you've listened to this podcast, and you're like, oh wait, uh, here's something different, uh, Highwire, new to our area. Let me see what it tastes like, and let me get a six of this. Uh, I'm sure your beer and wine store, if they are doing delivery, will, will have it for you to deliver. That's awesome. Thanks for the plug. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and speaking of plugs, give us your socials, Chris. So if uh, people want to even visit the website or, or check out what you guys are posting on your different sites. Yeah, absolutely. The website is uh, highwirebrewing.com and highwire is H-I-W-I-R-E. Uh, we don't have the G-H on high. Um, it's highwirebrewing.com. Um, Facebook is... Uh, each of our locations have their own Facebook page. Okay. Uh, the main one, the main one that where we have the most amount of followers and we post kind of general things is just Highwire Brewing. There's also Highwire Brewing South Slope, Highwire Brewing Knoxville, Highwire Brewing Durham, and then um, Twitter is uh, just at Highwire Brewing. Okay. Uh, we don't have individual Twitters for the tap rooms. We do have individual Instagrams for all the tap rooms. Um, so lots of different social options, yeah. uh, but our, our main one again is just at high wire brewing. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's yeah. Uh, it's, So, and also you just want to do your Google search H I W I R E brewing and, uh, see what comes up local to your area and, uh, and, and try them out. I'm looking forward to trying this weekend. Awesome. My, yeah. This is a, it's a good weekend to try some new beer. Perfect. It's supposed to be, supposed to be nice. I, I don't, I don't think it's going to rain and, uh, holiday it's gonna be great no it's gonna be good lager weather and i'm gonna enjoy my uh, my high wire lager chris thank you very much we appreciate it we'll talk to you next time on on head retention heading out already we'll make sure you follow us on social at head underscore retention so you don't miss any new releases 